I want to thank Melissa for inviting me to speak today and to all of you to be here. And I think I'm going to uh, have you run in a lot because I'm hoping really to do this as a conversation. Um, and so what I want to talk about is what are the differences between boys and girls, men and women, where do they come from, and why we should care about them. So um, I would like to ask, am I allowed to sort of ask, start by asking you questions, which is what do you think the differences are? So this is what I mean, you're going to have to be running around. What is, what is the biggest difference that you can think of between men and women? Uh, okay, what about, what about psychological characteristics? Sorry, I should, uh, since I'm a psychologist, I focus on psychological characteristics. That's pretty tricky. But even physiological characteristics, there's overlap between them. So um, probably the biggest physiological difference is in the genitalia. But even there, there are people who have um, disorders of sex development where their genitalia are in between male and female. So even there, it's not um, a perfect division. What about psychological characteristics? Okay, nurturing interest in babies and nurturing, and there is a difference there, but it's not a big one. There's overlap, and you can't say whether somebody's a nurturer or not by knowing whether they're male or female. Emotion, there are differences in emotion, but those are pretty small too. There's one really big one. Okay, aggression also shows differences, but not there. Also, there's overlap between males and females. Sorry, expression of aggression. How physical? Right, so physical aggression. But even still, the differences there. There's there's a lot of overlap, and you can't, from a person's sex, say whether the person's going to be aggressive or not. Okay, so maybe I'm being too obvious, but the. Uh, Biggest difference is whether you identify yourself as a male or a female, and what we call gender identity. So people who look like females usually identify as females, and people who look like males usually identify as males, but not always. Even there, there is some uh, non-dichotomy. So there are people who have what we call gender identity disorder, who really identify with the other sex. Um, so, or, um, so even there, there is overlap. Um, so what I want to do is I brought a few props to illustrate some of the other ones. You talked about some of the ones. Okay, so my favorite. I was in, so who would like this, girls or boys? Girls, right? And there are quite big differences in this. There are some boys who like this, but not very many. Uh, I don't know if you can see this one. This is a Star Wars Lego kit. So, right, boys. And interestingly, um, kits in pink and purple for girls, and they don't do that very much anymore because although girls play with Legos, they don't play with them with the kind of fanaticism that boys play with. And there's some interesting data showing that boys have much more intense interests than girls do, so that they get stuck on something. Um, and so this would be the, so boys would have huge Lego collections. So one of the things I'd like us to sort of think about, and we don't have a good answer for this is um, what makes a toy a boy's toy? Do I have any candidates for this? And I'm asking for candidates because we're trying to study this. So what makes a toy a boy's toy? Okay, colors. Right, so colors, but as somebody pointed out to me before, pink and blue have reversed, um, I don't know, about a century ago. So it used to be that blue was for boy, blue was for girls, and pink was for boys. Um, 
Right, so that's something a lot of people don't know. But I don't think it's just about pink or blue. What's the other like color differences here? Right, that's right, that's sense to which the colors are saturated and bright versus which they're kind of pastels. And if you, when I was in Target the other day, my favorite store, looking for these toys, I mean, I, I was struck by what I'm often struck by when I go into a toy store, that you know what aisle you're in by the colors in the aisle. And I was gonna take a picture, but I thought, oh, I don't have my camera, and then after I got in the car, I realized I had my cell phone, which has a camera, but probably wouldn't have been able to see it anyway. But you know what aisle you're in, whether they're boys' toys or girls' toys, just by the colors in the aisle. What else? interesting to think, but, but the shapes are different, so there's more hard edges in boys' toys and more kind of, uh, organic is an interesting term, and kind of squishier. Well, I'm sorry, what was, no, no, well, no, right, okay, yeah, sorry, politically correct, it's not. Um, so the violence, I mean, to the extent to which boys' toys have more opportunities for violence, and this one has guns in it. I don't usually pick up toys with guns in it, but I've, you know, so there's that, to that extent, there's, um, but is it really violence that these toys represent? Action, I mean, action is a big part of boys' toys, and motion, okay, that the toys move, um, which is not characteristic of girls' toys. So girls' toys, uh, and you do different things with girls' toys. Their color is different, their shape is different. Um, you do different things with them. And so, all right, so this is one kind of sex difference, and this is a very big sex difference. What do you mean by your question? All right, well, we're Okay, so, right. So you're gonna come to the second question is where do the differences come from? Okay, so hang on to that for a second, okay? But this is one place in which there's a difference. So let me move this here. Uh, so you talked about some personality characteristics that show differences. Boys are more aggressive than girls. Girls are more, and women are more nurturing, um, more expressive of emotions. But those differences are pretty small. There's lots of overlap between the sexes. So, Here's my next prop. Um, so where is Alaska on here? Well, I guess people now know about Alaska. That's probably not a good question to ask. Um, okay, so where's Korea? How many people feel really comfortable in coming up and saying where Korea is? Okay, so there's some people. Um, but if you give people a test of geographic knowledge, who do you think does better? Nope, nope, boys and men do much better. And um, the geography bee, in most years, um, although boys and girls participate in the bee equally at school level, in most years, the 10 winners are substantially overrepresented by boys. Some years, it's all boys. The last year, actually, there were three girls, which was amazing. Uh, yes, right. So. That's exactly right, and in fact, I, I didn't have a good prop to show this, but if you have a task where you have items placed, and then you have somebody look at them, 
and then go away for a minute and then say, come and tell me what was there and where they were, women do much better than men do. So it's not that men do better than women in all aspects of spatial ability, it's some aspects of spatial ability. So geography is one. Another one is the ability to rotate objects in space, which is really important when you're trying to pack your car and you don't have a lot of space. You have more suitcases than you really should have and you're trying to get them in the car. So women are more likely to do trial and error fitting of their suitcases and the difference there, it's a pretty, it's a reasonable size. It's bigger actually than the differences in aggression. Not as big as the difference in toy play, but there are differences in there. So another way in which women, well, another sex difference let me, is a, a memory test. So I have to put on my glasses for this one. Okay. Sorry about this. Uh, let's suppose you were going shopping on Monday. I'm going to read a list of items for you to buy. Listen carefully, and when I'm through, I want you to say back as many of the items as you can. Doesn't matter what item, what doesn't matter what order you say them in, just tell me as many as you can. Okay, so here's the list. Drill, plums, vest, parsley, grapes, paprika, sweater, wrench, chives, tangerines, chisel, jacket, nutmeg, apricots, pliers, and slack. Okay, now this is given multiple times, so you get multiple times to hear this. So who do you think does better on this? Women do better on this. Uh, oh, Dale Carnegie, well maybe that's it. But even if you get, so if you give everybody the Dale Carnegie course, you'd probably still have women doing better on this. And part of the reason, sorry? Well, that's okay. So some people have suggested that, but you see this even if it's not a grocery list. But that's what some people have suggested. But part of the reason, do you have, can you have a hypothesis about why people might vary in how? What do you do when you hear these? Concentrate? What else? Visualize? In what way? The item? Okay. Anything else? Any kind of Organize. Okay. Organize by category. It's what's called clustering. And women are more likely to cluster than are men. But as you can see here, there's overlap between the sexes. Um, but there's a reasonable size difference in this. Okay, so there's not a difference in overall IQ, but there's a difference in patterns of abilities between men and women. Um, okay, so I've given, talked about some kinds of differences. Where do they come from? So we had a suggestion that they're socialized. So what evidence do you think we have? How do we know that, what makes us think that they come from socialization. Come on, it's in. What, what makes you say that? Okay, so, yeah. Right, but there's actually remarkable, remarkable similarity across cultures. Okay, so if you go to different cultures, you see kids playing with the same kinds of toys across culture. They won't necessarily have Legos, but they're making something that's similar. And the other thing I'm going to tell you that you might be interested to know is there's some recent studies with monkeys showing that monkeys have preferences for boys' and girls' toys consistent with their own sex. So male monkeys like things that move, and female monkeys like more dolls and cuddly things. 
Um, they can change over time, but they don't, by, most of the differences have not changed over time. The particular form that they're manifested in might change over time, but there have been things like this. I mean, there haven't been Legos and disgusting little makeup kit, but there have been other kinds of, of toys. So that there are changes over time, but the sex differences are still there, and I would say that's sort of to the consternation of people of my generation who worked really hard to make our kids not sex types, and yet the sex differences in these toys persist. Okay, so despite all the attempts in the 60s to make kids more sex neutral, the differences persist, and one might say because the socialization pressures still persist outside the family. Right, there's experiences and, and there's good evidence that parents provide different experiences for boys and girls. And Susan McHale, who's in Human Development and Family Studies here, has some really nice studies where she looks within families. And so she looks at the opportunities parents provide their daughters versus their sons, and there are differences. And there are differences across families, so some families differentiate and some families do not. Right, so I mean, you're absolutely right, and the evidence shows that the strongest socialization pressures are on boys to not play with girls' toys, and the pressure comes mostly from their fathers. Okay, mothers are not as differentiating as our fathers, and girls don't get the pressure as much as boys do, and one could argue that that's, well, wh why do you think that is, actually? Why do you think there's more pressure on boys than on girls? So what about the stereotypes? I mean, but why more pressure on boys than girls? Right, right. And why is it considered better to be a boy than to be a girl? Why? Why? Power. That's right. Because power, and so people desire to be um, part of the power structure. So things might be different if the power structure was different. Um, and just in Could you bring the microphone over there? Can I hold it close to you? Um, in mating, is it on? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just hold it real close. Uh, it's just babies and children are just a manifestation of, of mating and, uh, and reproduction and um, a kind of the man is first and he, he's the actor he's the assertive party in generally in mating whether it be across the board do you know what I'm saying but um, so in the beginning the the man is being taught from the beginning to be the like the the first one off the bat to like be pushy in his kind of um, role as the the continuer of the of the species. Right, so, so it has to, some suggestion it has to do with roles related to reproduction, but also that they're socialized, and it relates to the power structure. Um, what about the idea, which was sort of mentioned here before, that there might be some biological contributors to sex differences? And I have to warn you, that's what I study, so. Um, <laughs> 
Why do you ask that question? Did everybody hear the question? Yeah, the question is why are there, how many sexes are there? Well, when I was a little kid in school, I was aware, for sure, could you move the microphone over there? Yeah. Thank you. When I was in elementary school, I was aware that there were three sexes because there would be the boys, the girls, and there were two boys in our class that acted like what now I would say are um, feminine boys or gay boys. They grew up as adults to be gay men, and they got gay men partners. So I knew that there were three sexes, but now as an adult, and I'm a registered nurse, I've identified at least six sexes. <laughs> and I want to know what, the, what your field has identified. There are. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I, I don't know. I might be wrong. There may be more. Well, I mean, most kids, when you ask them, identify two sexes, and they very clearly identify the sex that they belong to. Uh, some people have written about more than two sexes, in part because of what I alluded to before, that even biologically, there is some variation. So uh, genetically, females are 2X and males are X and a Y chromosome, but there are some people who have 2Xs and a Y chromosome, and there are some people who only have 1X chromosome. Um, and it turns out what determines whether somebody is male is really the presence of a Y chromosome. So somebody with two X's and a Y is a male. And there's a particular gene on the Y chromosome. And if that gene happens to move from, during the reproductive process, happens to move from the Y chromosome to a piece of the X, you could actually have somebody who has two X's who's a male because the gene that determines maleness has actually moved to that chromosome. So in that sense, sex is sort of fuzzy. Um, but I think most of the evidence and most of the way, most of the evidence about the way people think about sex is that they really think about two categories. And they recognize differentiation within the category, that there would be some boys who don't like to do what boys do. Um, and by the way, there is an association between childhood play and later sexual orientation, particularly in boys. Um, but most people still think about two sexes, and kids primarily think about two sexes. So maybe we're not tapping what we should, and that's something to think about. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres, he's a female married to a female, but one's a boy female, one's a girl female, because they both take on the traditional roles of men and women. Okay, I, I, I mean, th there's the issues of the difference between your identity of yourself as male or female and the extent to which you adopt gender roles, and there is a lot of variation in that. And I'll come to that in a second, because the question becomes, how do we get to be sex-typed, and how do we get to be more or less sex-typed? So, although this is a girl's toy, not all girls like to play with this, and some boys like to play with it. Um, so there's a lot of variation within sex, but there is also, in, in terms of toy play, big differences between the sexes. So what would make us think that some of these differences might be influenced by biology? question. So let me ask the question. How many people think it might be influenced by biology? Okay, there you go. <laughs> I didn't ask the right question. So why? Why do you think it would be they would be influenced by biology? I mean, we had compelling arguments for socialization. I, I imagine it has a lot to do with propagation of the species. That, right. that um, 
you know, if it takes, I mean, I don't know how the math works out, but presumably it takes, um, you know, women need to have the skills to raise children, men need to have the skills to, uh, to help create children, but they, you know, there's a whole bunch of different kinds of things going, you know. You know right, I mean? right, no, and, and in fact, there's a, a field of study called evolutionary psychology and a group of people who really look at sex differences as an the adaptation to the differences in reproductive tasks. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's exactly right. There's some correlation between um, male sex hormones and aggressiveness and female sex hormones and nurturing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, there, there, are, there are some data on that. <coughs> um, with aggression, that there's association between testosterone and aggression, but aggression can actually increase your testosterone level. There's some really interesting studies of sports fans showing that if your team wins, your for men, the testosterone goes up. If your team loses, your testosterone goes down. So I don't want to be around town when the guy wins. I remember when I was in middle school and the teacher had to stand up and show how we carry our books through the hallway and all the girls carried them like this and all the boys carried them down by the side and you wonder, you know, and she said, your elbows are different. And you know, it's a biological difference. Right, there are physical, physical differences that almost certainly affect psychological differences. Um, I think you mentioned physiological differences, somebody else mentioned hormones when I asked about the big differences. Um, and there are huge differences in hormones, and those huge differences start really early in development. And they start when the genitalia develop prenatally, because without those hormones, the genitalia won't develop in a, in a typical way. So the presence of testosterone, males and females start out with the same basic structures for their genitalia. And whether they develop in a male direction depends on whether there are high levels of testosterone. In the absence of testosterone, development proceeds in a feminine direction. Now, the, not, I've simplified it because other, hormone, other genes and hormones are involved in completely normal female differentiation, but it's pretty much the default process. So, you know, we were there first, and then, um, um, so the question is, are those hormones that are floating around that affect the body, are they there to, do they affect the brain and behavior too? And we know from animals that they do, because you can manipulate hormones in animals, and if you give female animals male hormones during critical periods of brain development, she develops behavior that's more typical of males. So she'll be less sexually responsive to males, try to mount other females, be more aggressive, less interested in taking care of rat pups, be better in spatial ability as it is measured in rats. And you see the same thing in monkeys. So the problem in people is how do you study it, right? You can't go in and give somebody hormones <coughs> from the opposite sex. It would be hard to do because it would be need to be done prenatally, and it would be unethical. Well, you could probably study people who have medical conditions where they overproduce or underproduce different hormones. Yep, that's exactly right, and that's how that's what kept me busy for a while. <laughs> You're a plant. He was not a plant. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he doesn't arrange <laughs> Right, so we study girls who've been exposed to high levels of testosterone because they have a genetic disease that's called congenital adrenal hyperplasia. And it's not very common, but it's fairly common among genetic diseases, about one in 10,000 
live birth. And so if hormones affect behavior, these girls should be different. So if I gave those girls a choice between these toys, what do you think they picked? They picked this. They really like boys' toys. And so that argues that hormones that are present early on play a role in these toy preferences. So one might argue that society evolved, the social pressures evolved from the preferences that the two sexes had. Okay? Now it's not, it's not that simple. It's not either hormones or socialization. But it suggests that, that socialization is not society imposing on children, but is responding in part to children. Not entirely, but in some ways. And the other thing that happens is that children construct their socializations. So children very early, um, well, I shouldn't say early, they, they <coughs> somewhere between the first and second year probably, recognize the different categories of male and female. They may recognize it earlier, but we have difficulty measuring that. Somewhere in the first or second year, they, and definitely by the middle of their third year, they recognize the categories of male and female and that they belong to one of those categories. So they probably they recognize the categories before, but they recognize, they have a sense of their own gender. And then when that happens, they organize the world by gender. Okay, so a boy will say, well, I'm a boy. Um, he, he does, so look at a man. And say, I mean, and one example that my colleague likes to give is where uh, kids in her family decided that men drink coffee and women drink tea because the father drank coffee and the mother drank tea. And so the boys wanted to drink coffee and the girls wanted to drink tea. So we say, I'm a boy. This is what boys and men do. Therefore, it's what I do. And children are very good at doing that. So if you give and you say, they have a choice between a really attractive, say you have a boy and you give him a choice between a really attractive girl's toy and a broken boy's toy, he's much more likely to pick the boy's toy because he identifies as a boy and that's what boys do. So, so we have kids' biological predisposition to behave in certain ways, we have society reinforcing that, and we have kids' active construction of their gender roles. Uh, so it's not any one factor. Somebody have a... Um, I'm very interested because um, there's certain more of an androgynous quality to a prepubescent to a child uh, as opposed to a um, pubescent or adolescent person. So I'm interested to know about how the hormone released during uh, puberty affects the biological uh, import of the... Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, a lot of sex differences show up before puberty, so we know that pubertal hormones aren't necessary to trigger the sex differentiation of those characteristics. Um, we don't know as much about hormones at puberty. Um, some studies in animals have caused us to think that there are actually some brain changes happening at puberty too, and that hormones might affect those brain changes, but we don't know how yet. So. What, what hormones have, at puberty have generally been thought to do is to make active the neural substrates that were laid down early. So if you didn't have the hormones, you wouldn't activate those that substrates. But if you didn't have the organization, hormones at puberty alone are too late. So does that answer the, it's not a very good answer to the question, but it's a partial answer. So there's a lot, 
we, we need those hormones later on, um, but in the girls that I've studied, their hormones are, are abnormal early in development, and then they're diagnosed at birth and they're treated, and so the hormone levels are female typical throughout life after that. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> now I'll take advantage of this is that ongoing medication or is that something that's corrected? They're they're on basically they're unable to make cortisol and that's okay. the problem. So they're on cortisol replacement. And so their testosterone levels are normal after birth. So they're only high before birth, and yet their behaviors is um, more masculine than their sisters who've not been affected by the disorder throughout life. So that means that they don't need the hormones later on in order to, to manifest those behaviors. So one thing, as I said, they really like boys' toys. They do much better in geography than typical girls do. They're less interested in babies. So there are a number of characteristics that are influenced by being exposed to testosterone prenatally, but then not being exposed after birth. So it's like the testosterone is organizing the brain and with permanent effects later on. So they don't need those hormones later on. Has anybody studied um, the effect on children of uh, a one-sex household raising them, either male or female, on, on their development or modified it in any way? Yes, there's, there are several numbers. There are several studies of those, and they're mostly of um, lesbian couples and not gay men, male couples. It's because there are more, I think, lesbian couples that have children and participate in these studies than gay men. But the studies consistently show that their children, those children are no different than children in heterosexual households on anything that has been examined, including their gender-related characteristics. So, and one possibility, <coughs> excuse me, for that, I mean, well, the likely explanation is their hormones are probably no different than that of kids growing up in uh, heterosexual households. And socialization occurs not only within the family, it occurs in the broader culture. And some have suggested that uh, families with same-sex parents actually work harder to implement sex roles because they're worried about their children being out in a typical culture. But the bottom line is, behaviorally, they are no different. My neighbors are actually my next door neighbors. They're lesbians, and they have two boys. And um, like you said, they have a role, like the male woman and then the female woman. Their boys are just like normal boys. They don't act any different. So I wanted to let you know. Right. Although I mean, I, I think that's an interesting observation. We have to be careful. <laughs> excuse me about inferring though from individual cases. And there are lots of systematic studies now that really <coughs> show that. What about in, in households where there's just a single parent of one sex or the other? Not couples, but is there any difference? Yeah, there's, there, <coughs> excuse me. Usually talk a lot. Sorry. <laughs> um, there are some studies, but, and they also pretty much show no difference, although there's some suggestion that the children in those families might be a little less sex type. Um, but families that are single family, single parent families are different in other ways than 
two-parent families, and so it's hard to make inferences from that. But they might be a little less sex-typed if the father is not present, which is consistent with the idea that the fathers are the enforcers. Well, actually, the one thing I didn't mention that I, that I need to mention is more than parents, there is one other force that acts as gender socializers. More than parents. Peers. Peers, that's right. Peers are the gender police. <laughs> there is very high rates of segregation of children by sex in the playground, and it is a result of children's own preferences. So there are a number of studies that show that you can go in and you can enforce integration, gender integration, um, by rewarding children who play with opposite sex peers. And then as soon as that reinforcement is removed, they go back to their own ways of doing things. It's a huge sex difference, a huge sex difference. Is, is there some um, starting point for that? I mean, you know, would a, a one or two year old be making the same distinctions? Does, when does, when does yeah, that it, it starts um, probably around two or three, probably around the time gender identity is being established. Um, there's a very interesting study that was done of children, um, what's called, some of you may know about this because your own children might have participated in this, a study of mathematically precocious youth. Do people know about this study? No. This is a study been running for probably 30 years at Johns Hopkins where they have children in what grades? I don't know, fourth, sixth, uh, young kids, take the SAT, and then the ones who have really high math scores, so they have math scores of 700 on the SAT, but they're in grade school or they're in junior high school. And they're selected to participate in this program, an enrichment program. And so, so these are very smart kids. There are many more boys who score above the threshold than girls, but there are some girls. And there's a study that followed this group across time. And they did very well. I mean, these were smart people who did very well. But they had very different interests, and those interests drove their career choices. So the women had more, I would say, well-rounded interests. They were interested in work, but they also were interested in their family and social relationships. And so they sought in their life more of a balance. So they took those interests and made them in their careers. And one of the things that, one of the reasons why women are less interested in math and science is because they see that as less well-rounded than other careers available to them. They see them as less people-oriented. So when girls go into science, or women go into science, they tend to go into the biological sciences rather than the chemical or physical sciences, in part because of their social interests. Okay, so it's probably interests more than abilities, although there aren't good data on this, that drive career choices. But uh, aren't the values of a society yes. and how we value or you know, devalue certain choices part of the equation? And I'll, I'll just say that um, I have an 11-year-old son, and I recently said to a, another adult out of my son's earshot that my son is smarter than I was at his age. It was just a tossed-off comment, but when I started thinking about it, I thought that the label smarter that I applied to him was because he's so good at math kind of engineering uh, abilities, spatial relations, where I was more of a um, creative writer and had more had other skills. But I don't label those skills that I had at 11 as smart in the way that I do 
Absolutely, and I, I'm glad you said that because that's where I wanted to go next, okay? Because you notice in the question I asked, I said, should we change girls to be more interested in math and science, okay? And that's what our focus is. We want to make girls more like boys. When we do that, because we value what men do more than we value what women do. We pay men more than what we pay women. And there are good data, <coughs> excuse me, that show that when women enter a field in large numbers, the salary goes down. That is not biological. <laughs> so would we care as much about sex differences if there wasn't the power differential? Is there a way to change the power differential in my lifetime? <laughs> it seems to me that People are rewarded for their skills in engineering and science. They're trained. These are management jobs. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, or over time, these skills that they've risen on the basis of are really counterproductive. And what are required are the more people oriented nurturing skills. So the world of business maybe ought to change, not the gender. Right. Well, that, that's so how would you suggest that that happens? I have no idea. We have a question back. I mean, I don't know. I would think that it starts with education. That um, in America, it's science and math and reading, and that's what you need to know. If you're artistic, it doesn't seem to matter. Did your parents ever say to you that you'll never grow up and be an artist? Mm -hmm. And did that make you change your mind of what you wanted to be because that's what they told you? And that's not true because everybody has different skills, whether it's in math and science or art or music. Well, but it, it, it isn't just that, it's the social skills, it's the, um, the caretaking skills. You know, we pay our daycare workers so little money, yet we entrust them with such an important task. Um, now, also, you, you said something about reading. It turns out that boys have much more likely to have reading problems than our girls. And when that happens, we say, well, we have to Society is responsible and we have to fix it, okay? We have to, and there's much more money that goes into programs to improve reading in boys than to improve spatial or math skills in girls, and you can train these skills. So even if there's a biological component to it, you can actually train people to do better on it. Um, so we could, that, that would be a way you could intervene, but again, it still says that that's more important than what girls and women do. But even before that, women are much less likely to choose science and math careers. And some of it is because they see those careers as demanding more of their time and making it more difficult to have a balanced life. And so if companies could do more to address those concerns, then there might be more women going into math and science. We looked at it from a, a very broad uh, historical perspective. <clears throat> we didn't talk about the issue of physical strength. but Male domination is probably based on physical strength. And on all the professions, all the careers, and jobs that required greater physical strength. But especially in the last 100 years, I mean, that's become greatly de-emphasized, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, flying a plane doesn't now require 
uh, tremendous amount of that I know of physical. So you're you're not thrown by the fact that you have a female pilot uh, these days on a on a plane. But um, I think the more and even war uh, has become more technological, so it's more open to to women. So probably that the rise of technology has leveled the playing field. Right. right. That's probably. I mean, it, it has certainly made. To. Right. It has certainly made it easier. It's a good point. It's made it easier because there's less differentiation of jobs by physical strength um, than there used to be. Um, and one might argue that women would be better pilots because the pretty small spaces that those pilots fit in, and women on average are smaller than men. Um, but you know, we still have lots of discrimination. We still have stereotypes in play, um, and. Some, so one of the points I want to make is that just because some of the differences are influenced by biology doesn't mean that they have implications. You know, it's not destiny. Anatomy is not destiny. Um, even things that are influenced by biology are modifiable. And many of us um, in our daily lives do things to modify the genetic risk we have for a variety of illnesses, right? So I get on that treadmill, even though I don't want to because I have a risk for cardiovascular disease. So that environment, that, that what causes something doesn't necessarily speak to the way to change it. So even if there are biological influences on interests or on abilities, it doesn't mean we can't change them in some other ways. And that discrimination now is based on stereotypes, I mean, there are stereotypes that are still in play. Um, and there's, there, I think one of the reasons people have resisted the idea that biology might affect these differences is because they think that they're justification for the perpetuation of stereotypes. And I want to make clear that that's not the case. That we have values as a society that come from, that are independent of the causes of the sex differences. Are all these sex um, studies that you are citing and all the research based on American, American boys and girls or worldwide? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and in fact, there was an article that was just published in one of the top journals in psychology that said psychological research in general is based on 5% of the world's population, that we've ignored 95% of the world's population. Um, some, some of this, much of this work is also been, it's been studied in other cultures, but pretty similar cultures. So Western Europe, European cultures, for instance. Um, a few studies in other cultures, but not as many as we need as we need to. Um, so, what would you expect in different cultures? Uh, well, just observations I've made, um, like in Europe. Um, the, in Europe, they refer. If you listen to BBC or anything, um, they refer to the Americans being uh, sex biased. And um, I know, in, I'm pretty sure in Europe and. Um, there are more female doctors than male doctors, and um, I don't think they get paid as much as they do in America, but then we got this whole money thing going on in this country as a value. And um, in an Oriental culture, uh, where my daughter lives, and what I've seen over there, it seems like the women are down with sex. And um, so I don't... Yeah, and that's a good point, although in most cultures, women get paid less than men, they have less status than men do, pretty egalitarian with respect to sex roles, and there's parental leave for child care, and yet in academia, they probably do worse than we do in the percent of tenured women and, and women in administrative positions. 
Um, so, um, you know, so even in countries that seem to differ, there's still um, considerable bias in the power structure. Do you think women all over the world baby men? That's why they get paid more, that's why, you know. Uh, I don't know, what do you think? What do the rest of you think? Women baby. Well, I, I have one piece of evidence that maybe is relevant to this, which comes from an entirely different field, which has to do with health. When men who are married live much longer than, and have much better health than men who are single. And that does not hold for women. Okay, in fact, anything the opposite is the case for women. <laughs> so that suggests, I mean, that in their caretaking roles, right, women are taking responsibility for men. Now, is that babying men? Interesting. Anybody else want to? I, I think they do. I don't know if this is on. This, yeah, it is. Is this on? Hold it a little it closer to your mouth. Uh, is, Hold it closer. Hold it closer. Okay. I had uh, just a couple of comments. Um, I've noticed that European, this, it's so interesting to me, European women speak in a, with a higher voice. They accentuate the difference. They're talking in a much higher voice. And uh, I don't know if people have noticed this, but it's, it's, it's very striking what you notice. It. They really do. They accentuate the difference. And do you think that has an effect? I mean, do you, what well, I think it's to make the mating game more interesting. I think I think it's to to accentuate their femininity. And I don't know whether uh, European men speak with a deeper voice. They <laughs> <laughs> do that too. And another thing that's interesting to me in, in, in watching children growing up is, is as soon as a child expresses some interest, grown-ups pile on. And we, we give them, it's their birthday, we give them a toy that has to do with that interest they're expressing. So that that interest is accentuated to the detriment of other interests. Yes. And it always seemed to me that what we need to do in education is when a ch children like to do what they're good at doing. And as soon as they've got that ba off balance that way and they don't like something else, you really need to pile on with helping them over what's difficult about that. Right, and I think that's a good point. And it was a point that, was, that you mentioned before. And that particularly when girls hang out with other girls, they're being reinforced for the kinds of things that girls are more interested in, and it channels them in a way that might not be the best for them. But the same is true for boys. Yeah. Right, the same is true for boys. Um, but again, we're more you know, concerned about having girls be more like boys. But it's true, and the, the way, what starts that basically probably start off with small biological differences that get dramatically magnified through the const child's construction of the social world and the social influences on the child. Um, so small differences end up as quite large differences. <laughs> and join me in thanking Dr. Sherry <laughs>